You are listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more information about this show, as well as the other show I do, How to Stan, visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com and subscribe to my newsletter at howtostan.substack.com. K-pop interviews, album reviews, and more. Subscribing is free, but if you want to continue to support my work, feel free to donate. Click the support the show button on the homepage at 17karatkpop.weebly.com. Welcome back everybody to another episode of 17 Karat K-Pop. Two quick PSAs before we get to the big stories of the week. First up, my latest interview is out now with Lee Jin-hyuk. This is different from the press conference coverage I talked about before. This is just an interview one-on-one with me, no other press outlet, so super exciting for me. You can read it at howtostand.substack.com as well as in both the blog and interview tabs on my site, 17 kpopweeblycom And if you're subscribed, please know that you get early access. So before, on my website, I revealed who my latest interview is with. Email subscribers got to find out in their inbox early. Second thing I want to address is 17's online Power of Love concert. It's a two-weekend event which is why I'm not talking about it yet. Because I'm sure Carrots are going to listen to this and be like, if you're rounding up the most important events in the world of K-pop this past week, and you just ignore 17's online concert, what on earth is wrong with you? I'm saving that review. So I am acknowledging that I'm just waiting till weekend two is over to fully finalize my thoughts. So now let's dive into the news of the week, starting with a very peculiar story. Near YG Entertainment headquarters, on a five-story building, an unusual billboard was set up, asking Jenny from Blackpink, one of YG Entertainment's artists, if she would go on a date with him. This billboard was set up because, he says, he just didn't know how else to ask her, how else to reach out to her. So he thought, billboards make sense. The sign says, Kim Jenny Ruby Jean, you are my ultimate crush. Can I take you out to dinner and make me the happiest man alive? One side has that message in English, one in Korean. This was met with a lot of backlash when the man behind it posted a picture to Facebook October 30th. Fans were like, this is weird, creepy, what are you doing, you're putting Jenny in an awkward position, things like that. But he continued to assert that they needed to, quote, be more rational. Because he's like, well, how else am I going to reach out to her? And honestly... It probably did sound rational to him, because he has a ton of money. If you are just the average Joe, you probably think a billboard is extreme. But if you've got money to burn, maybe it does come across as logical to him. So this guy has a really interesting past. His name is Christian Albert Gaza, and he's this businessman who is a self-proclaimed scammer-turned-millionaire. So he's basically found fame by doing stunts like this. He calls that branding kind of scamming turned making money, I guess. He actually asked an actress out for coffee via a billboard, too. That was back in July 2017, and he became the talk of the town. Then probably he really internalized that positive reinforcement. In his mind, all press is good press, so that positive to him reinforcement. And wanted to keep getting talked about. In the meantime, he's also tried to do all the now, at this point, stereotypical pursuits of a Silicon Valley type, it seems. 
trying to create his own cryptocurrency, engaging in a whole bunch of different entrepreneurial pursuits. And he actually does have a bit of a criminal record. Because in the Philippines, there's this thing called the bouncing check law that he violated. So he got a five and a half year prison sentence back in 2018. Yeah, maybe COVID affected how much time he was physically in a cell or he got out on good behavior or something early. But anyway, it's just weirder to people now because first of all, a lot of people were like, this puts Jenny in a really awkward situation. Don't do this. And then others were saying, especially don't do this if you're basically doing it to maintain your fame, keep being talked about despite the fact you should be in jail right now. It's very weird. As of recording time, Jenny and YG Entertainment have not issued a response, and I honestly think it's best they don't. He clearly wants the attention that a response would get, and I don't see... Some people may argue maybe they should respond so at least he knows they saw his sign and then he can just take no for an answer and put it to rest. And if you never answer, he'll just keep asking, assuming you just didn't see it before. But I don't think that's true. I think... The answer's no, and no matter how overtly they say the answer's no, he's going to keep pushing. So I think it's best to ignore it. Would you do this for someone? How extra is a billboard? And does it depend on what your salary is if you consider it extra? I say it's excessive for just admitting you have a crush on someone. If you're deeply in love and the billboard says something like, would you marry me? I frankly still find that tacky, but I could see why some people thought that was not extra and appreciated the gesture. Meanwhile, let's talk about some of the latest news out of China. Influencers, social media influencers in Shanghai have started this new trend, basically, where they pretend they are at Costco in L.A., for real. And first of all, you may be wondering, they have influencers even though they banned Instagram? Yes, they kind of have a copycat of Instagram just for China. So you can be a famous influencer still in China. Second of all, you're probably wondering, why Costco? It's because these influencers want to take cute shots posing in a shopping cart outside of the Costco and then post pictures and videos of their hauls to make it look like they went to L.A. The total number of Costco's in China is actually two. One that is just about to open or just recently did, but aside from the brand new one, there's just one Costco. So it's kind of a touristy thing to go there. It is a photo-worthy afternoon. And remember, a lot of influencers are travel influencers. So they make money posting cool, cute candids from, quote-unquote candids, from around the world. So they have to kind of DIY trips around the world during COVID. So they're cosplaying as LA tourists, basically. There does seem to be quite the devoted following of Costco fans in the USA. Apparently, that interest is global now. The variety, the bulk of stuff you can buy, apparently has appeal internationally, too. When that first Costco opened up in China back in 2019, it got so crowded on opening day that the store closed early. After just a few hours of the mayhem, it was like, that's it, we gotta shut down and debrief today. And over 200,000 people signed up for a Costco membership right away. Meanwhile, there are some developments in China's tech space. ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, 
recently decided to disregard the 996 routine, as it's called, in China. Basically meaning they shortened work hours to not be as excessive as they were. That's actually a really huge deal for China. Many countries do have that culture of being overworked, but some have that culture so much that they have nicknames for them, which ByteDance decided to no longer engage with. Not that they need to, because more hours on the job does not automatically translate to more money. China's quarter three earnings this year were actually their best three-month period for Chinese startups ever. I know by dance and TikTok don't count as a startup, but the point is, in the tech and social media space, they can certainly thrive without overworking the employees behind those successes. Back in September, the People's Bank of China made cryptocurrency sales illegal, which was apparently a move Chinese regulators had considered for years. But for some reason now, they decided that's it, banning it. My guess as to the real reason they did this was that maybe it had something to do with the recent global climate change conference. As we've talked about before on the show, so much energy, so much, so much gas emission actually comes from mining cryptocurrency. It's so bad for the environment. And to kind of make it look better on the world stage, I know they weren't actually there at the summit, but they were clearly top of mind. Their methane emissions and other gas emissions and other sources of maybe contributing to climate change So they probably thought, let's ban this now. One less reason other countries at that summit could talk bad about us. And now we can say, hey, actually, we did sort of help the environment by banning this. So we're not doing nothing like you claimed. Just my speculation. Some of you may be groaning and thinking, enough of this hope. Enough crypto talk. Enough metaverse talk. Enough virtual world talk. Sorry, it's actually in the news a lot still, and therefore you should know what's going on in that space, even if you don't participate yourself. A few K-pop stars, Wee Ai, Wooa, and Kim Jae-hwan, have teamed up with the show to start this K-pop NFT campaign, using the cryptocurrency Binance to sell goods with their official image and likeness on them. That exact release date is TBA, but it's happening. And yet another partnership in the metaverse, you could say, is between Cube Entertainment artists and this blockchain gaming company, Animoca Brands. More details forthcoming about that as well. So far, it sounds like only the one with the show is the crypto collab that will actually financially compensate the K-pop stars whose images and likenesses are used on those NFT products. Animoca Brands has not confirmed or denied Cube Entertainment artists will get a cut of the profits from those NFTs. I'm going to stay cautiously optimistic that they do, but maybe something to keep your eyes on. And you may be wondering, okay, whatever, but who's buying this stuff? I mean, Zara Larson, who did a concert due to the pandemic, it was digital, through Roblox, she actually made over one million dollars on virtual merch sales from that Roblox concert, just on the merch, on the virtual merch. So yes, this is a lucrative investment. And as much as I've griped about crypto in my concerns with this trend on the show before, I will say 
you know, maybe it wouldn't have come to this if artists were getting paid more for streams of their songs, didn't have to change up the revenue sources because of it. We could have avoided this if they just got compensated more when people stopped buying as many physical albums. Just throwing that out there. One more story out of China. Two artists have been newly censored there for the Mandarin language song Fragile. A song about censorship, that, of course, got under their skin, and they responded in a way the singers sing about being a fragile response. Yeah, it's really almost poetic. Life imitates art, etc. So this is a new song out from Kimberly Chen, and namely, Kimberly Chen is Australian and Chinese, and this rapper is Malaysian, but both of them currently are residing in Taiwan. So this song, Fragile, has a lot of ton-in-cheek disses towards mainland China's policies. And the music video is full of pink. Their outfits, even the outfits of the guy in the panda suit, it's all pink. And the song starts out with a message about, be cautious if you are fragile pink. Now this is a reference that on the surface is confusing, but actually it's a very direct reference. Certain people who are very, very defensive in support of mainland China and its policies are called little pinks as this derogatory term. Basically like they're wusses is the connotation. So they took that and basically said, oh, I'm sorry, are we hurting your feelings right now? They also compared Xi Jinping to Winnie the Pooh which we talked about in a previous episode, really gets under his skin when people compare him to Winnie the Pooh, so much so that the images of Pooh are banned there now. The song alludes to forced labor, mainland China's claims of ownership over Taiwan, the recent push to redistribute China's wealth more equally, and the reaction is kind of like, yeah, right? They joke about eating wildlife, which is just kind of a, a jab at people who stereotype and are disgusted by what's eaten in Asia in general. And the tropes about eating bats and stuff that have proliferated during the pandemic. They reference the Great Firewall, referring to censorship of the internet there. The most interesting lyrics to me are when they reference apples, because there are two critiques in one buried in there. Part of it is because mainland China recently stopped importing products like apples from Taiwan, so that could be a reference to that trade dispute. And it also potentially refers to Apple News, a pro-democracy newspaper in Hong Kong that, we talked, as we talked about on the show before, recently had its assets freezed, police raided its offices. There's been a severe crackdown on this pro-democracy paper this year. What fascinates me about this song is not just all of the ways they address political and historical issues without overtly citing them, but also the ways that it doesn't really make social commentary that is referring to a society with everyone in it. For example, if there's a song critiquing the USA way of life, it's kind of critiquing Americans too. You're not excluded from the criticism. Here, it's not like they're really critiquing the citizens. They're really focused on people in charge of it, staying focused on certain government officials. 
The song was viewed over 29 million times before it got banned from the web in China. YouTube's actually been banned there for over 10 years now, but other similar sites, they no longer have the video. These artists Weibo accounts were shut down. Namely, seems to be taking it in stride, and he's kind of used to this. Long on long story short, he has been making videos for years that have gotten under authority's skin for a host of reasons. He had a really ire-drawing K-pop satire video out in 2015. He was almost charged with sedition after this video mocking the national anthem back in 2007. So he's a long past with being on authority's radar. Anyway, but he said on Facebook, while he could still, a song can have double meanings or even many meanings. I didn't mean to hurt anyone's feelings. It's just what they are willing to get from this song, unquote. Kimberly Chen seems similarly unbothered, updating the song's lyrics to say, I hear a sound. Fragile self-esteem has broken into pieces. It doesn't matter, I still have IG and FB. Basically, she's saying, hey, if I can't access mainland China social platforms, I can still access these in Taiwan. Another thing about this song is that really interests me is they're calling it fragile. They're calling out this, what they view as overly sensitive response the government has to any song gaining popularity in mainland China. And so they will often say in government propaganda, you're hurting our feelings, stop it. And so they took that we're fragile interpretation of that comment and made a whole song about it. That ended up actually proving their point that there may be a very quick, sensitive response to what they say. This definitely sounds like one of those songs that people who want to hear the history of music as a form of protest in more indirect ways, through metaphors and such, this will be a case study. I think this is, this will be in history books. For better or for worse, it feels very significant. Let's pivot to news coming out of Korea now. And that should be news all over the world. In-person concerts are coming back in 2022. I'm not surprised that apparently there are more K-pop announcements to come. Fingers crossed and toes crossed that Seventeen is one of those to-be-announced world tours next year. But a couple announced so far. First up, Twice. Their fourth world tour. Kicking off actually this December, they will spend Christmas performing at Olympic Park Caseo Dome in Seoul. Then they come to the USA, the Forum in LA, February 16th. Then they're in Oakland, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, and more dates apparently TBA, which better include Chicago. AT's also announced their 2022 world tour. This one is basically the rescheduled 2020 tour. So every ticket from 2020 that didn't have the owner ask for a refund already, it is honored for the new date. So ticket sales, go to my Music Taste site for more info on those. Those ticket sales are just for the remaining seats and any seats that open up last minute because of a refund. Anyone who won chance to go to a global fan sign event that was canceled last year your entries will also be honored, so keep your eyes on your email from My Music Taste for more. This tour kicks off January 7th at Olympic Park in Seoul. Then it comes to Chicago. We love Winchester Arena, the cutest venue, trust me. It's like a mini cross between a theater show and a full-size arena. Twice was there. It was very cute and felt intimate, even though it had a huge crowd, so 
a very new and exciting venue for sure. Anyway, then they go to Atlanta, Newark, Dallas, LA, and then they take off for Europe in mid-February. Then there is NCT 127 with their tour coming. Since their 2020 tour was just flat out canceled and not postponed, I hope that means in this case, tickets are not honored. Sorry guys, I needed them to just open up all the ticket sales for the new tour. Only the first few dates are announced so far, December 17th through 19th in Seoul. But more is TBA very, very soon. And the last night in Seoul, December 19th, you can stream online. Starting at 5 p.m. Korean Standard Time, that access will be there. In the meantime, live streams continue to happen. You can tune into the boys' live stream that also is a concert with an offline component from Seoul, December 3rd through 5th. Plus, live audiences are coming back to KBS shows. Music Bank is not one of them just yet. As of recording time, the date is TBA. KBS is rolling out one show at a time, getting its audience back. So Music Bank is not the first. But stay tuned, and I'll keep you posted too. Let's move on to some miscellaneous rapid-fire headlines. HYBE has set up yet another sub-label. ADORE. A-D-O-R, they will debut a new girl group in 2022, and HYBE's chief brand officer, Min Heejin, will be in charge. Info about the Melon Music Awards, it will be online this year, December 4th, and you can stream on YouTube. There's a great new cover story of CL that really dives into her career and everything that led to this moment in this album. For her, it's very personal and open, and not every cover story is just that deep and important. So anyway, full disclosure, it's written by friend of the show, Riddy Chakraborty, so I was going to plug it no matter what, but it is really good. So anyway, so CL's cover story for Rolling Stone India is out now, and I will link to it on my site. P1 Harmony continues to make news in LA, performing at a major soccer league match there. That feels very big. K-pop stars have some of the national anthem and stuff at sports games, but to perform at one feels like a huge moment that not enough people are talking about. BTS are now the most awarded EMA artist with 18 total wins. They were the most awarded act the other night, winning all four categories they were nominated in. Best Pop, K-Pop, Group, and Biggest Fans. Espa also won at the EMAs for Best Korean Act. As of recording time, two WEI members have tested positive for COVID, so Johan's drama, School 2021, that premiere date is now postponed. Shindon from Super Junior also has COVID. None of his bandmates have apparently been around him in recent days, so they don't need to test or isolate. And Im Chang Jun has COVID too, just released a new album that he cannot promote now. In other disappointing news, Dylan and Minghyuk have both left D Crunch. Dylan citing anxiety, Minghyuk unspecified reasons. Sunjay and Hyunsik from B2B and Jinho from Pentagon have all been discharged from the military. Yeon Junhyun from Highlight has left Around Us Entertainment. This is actually the company he helped found after he left Cube Entertainment, so this is an unexpected development. Apparently there have been very long-term talks between him and the label about this. To them, it's not out of the blue. 
and his official contract end date was November 15th. Meanwhile, Kim Junsu from JYJ set up a one-man agency, along with the help of his longtime manager, called Palm Tree Island. This is after over a decade spent with CJS. Twice performed their Nissan Scientist on MTV's Fresh Out Live YouTube series. NCT 127 will appear on The Kelly Clarkson Show, or did by the time this episode is out, but November 17th, check the show's YouTube channel. And BTS will be on The Late Late Show with James Gordon, the 23rd, 12.37 a.m. Eastern or Pacific Time. Gaho is one of the artists included on Spotify Radar's list of artists to watch. Super exciting, I really am rooting for him. Speaking of people I root for, Seventeen has a ton of news lately. Jen Han is a new sponsor for Vanilla Company. There's a cute Disney Day vlog up from June in the 8th. The 8th has been filming for this dance program in China called Dancing Millennium. And the group as a whole has announced a special Japanese album is coming out December 8th. It will conclude their Power of Love project and is apparently a ballad about how spring will come again with the power of love. Super cute and the premiere is during these Power of Love online shows. Attica reached number one on the United World Album Chart, and it made its second week on the Billboard 200, rising to 151. It's been certified platinum in Japan now, over 250,000 copies sold there, and their accumulated album sales for their career have now officially surpassed 10 million copies sold. Back in 2015, that number was 110,000. From 110,000 to 10 million. Very proud. And what I just lost my mind over this week was the 2 minus 1 live version on Genius's YouTube channel. I really was super excited from the moment I heard 2 minus 1 for the day we would get the live version. I did not expect it to be this soon. Jin from BTS has a new OST out called Yours. It topped iTunes in 82 regions, and it became the first Korean OST to ever enter Spotify's global chart. Jun Somi has entered the Billboard World Albums chart for the first time. XOXO reached number 14. TXT's new Japanese album, Chaotic Wonderland, topped iTunes in 16 regions, and Hyphen's album Dimension Dilemma is now certified gold in Japan, over 100,000 copies sold of it there in October, and it's their first album to become a million seller. NCT 127 and NCT Dream are now both triple million album sellers, and NCT 127 became the second K-pop artist to spend four weeks on the Billboard 200 album chart with a 2021 album. Plus, the video for Favorite just surpassed 30 million views. And Taeyeon SoundCloud surpassed 27 million. And Taeyeon of 127 surpassed 27 million SoundCloud streams. With 4 million alone going to Monroe, his collab with Baekhyun. Reaching 40 million, Hyena's I'm Not Cool and Hyena with Dawn, Ping Pong. Reaching 100 million views, Jun Somi with Dum Dum, her first to reach that and BTS and Coldplay's collab, My Universe. Reaching 300 million views, Mamamoo, for the first time, with Hip, and Timeless Gem, one of my favorite K-pop songs of all time, EXO's Call Me Baby. 
reaching 900 million views, is Blackpink's How You Like That Dance Practice video. And the regular music video for it now has a billion views and is the fastest K-pop girl group video to ever do so. And lastly, reaching 200 million streams, Lisa with money. Lastly for today, as my fellow concert enthusiasts I'm sure know by now, there was just a travesty at Astroworld this year, and if you want to help the victims, the families impacted by that tragic night, the official GoFundMe compilation can be found at gfme.co backslash Astroworld. That's your news roundup for the day. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will talk to you all again very soon.